You are listening to the Just Build It podcast with Paul and Dave. This podcast is dedicated to the millions of entrepreneurs trying to take an idea and make it into a successful business. This is our story. The focus of this episode is the importance of building a community of advocates around your business. The community can consist of advisors, supporters, evangelists, investors, and customers. In this episode, we will discuss how Dave Linart and I approach the process of building a community that helps bring our businesses to life. Dave, you know, when building a community, I generally place the community into three buckets. A community around the internal team, a community around the investors, and a community around customers. And when I talk about the internal team, you know, this consists of team members to help me build and launch the solution. And these individuals can have skill sets that often complement mine, and but are very critical to launch the business, such as programmers or social media experts. Um, that obviously can help in building the product or in helping to get some grassroots traction. Um, but it also can be advisors with significant in- experience in a focused area. And, you know, advisors are so critical in, in, to, to really help you guide the business, to give you some perspective. Um, and at the same time, to, to really, I, I found in, in my past that they've, they've been great at helping me connect with partners, potential partners. Obviously, investors are investors. When you need money, you have to start to build a community. Starting from first few people that put in, you know, maybe five or ten grand, um, and then working your way up as you start to develop your product and you get a little bit more traction. And then, obviously, customers are are an important component. And I guess you can divide these into business to business customers uh, as well as business to consumer customers. But they're an important component in, in really showing and demonstrating some traction. So I guess, you know, I go, I go back. That's my viewpoint of how I look at building a community around a business. But I'd love to, to get your under, you know, how you structure this and, and how you feel about the community and how you place them into your buckets, et cetera. Yeah, it's a, it's actually a super interesting question. And I think my perspective might be a little bit different in that I've been mostly a solo founder, which um, almost everybody will tell you is like a horrible idea. <laughs> um, but, but it's certainly true that you cannot build a great, uh, great business by yourself. And, uh, and so even as a solo founder, I think it's even more important to have the kind of support team and support infrastructure that you're talking about. So, you know, kind of the benefit of being a solo founder, like the reason I kind of did that, it wasn't intentional. It was just like, I had a passion for an idea. I built this email marketing company and I just, I just wanted to do it. And I wasn't, didn't really spend time like trying to find a co-founder. I was just like, I just want to get out there and um, kind of got into that mode. But, um, but in that, in terms of the way I think about it, I've got a bunch of different buckets. So first of all, in terms of community, like customers, obviously, like customers, the most important community. So when I'm working on a new project, like we've talked about come with before, we can, I can use that as an, as an example. The first thing I do with a new idea is I just start talking to people that I think have the problem that I'm solving 
And in that, and I'm doing that just to learn um, and get insight from customers. But in that process, I'll always come across someone who really resonates with this, like is really suffering from the problem or, you know, they just have an unusual level of interest beyond being polite. You know, like most sure. people are polite, they'll listen to you like, yeah, 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 I'll refer you to whoever, have a nice day. You know, that's kind of a nice, polite interaction, which I appreciate. But um, but what, what really fires me up is when people are like, oh, man, I can't wait, you know, for you to th- solve this problem. It's like a huge issue for me. Um, so those, those customers, the way I build that network is as I'm talking to them, I find the ones that are really you know, unusually interested and unusually engaged and I keep them on a short list. And so I keep going back to them. So initially I might talk about the problem. Uh, when we have a prototype, I'll be kind of, they'll be like the first ones that I show the prototype to. And then hopefully they become customers over uh, as we get more uh, product built. So that's super important. So that's how I approach customers. It's more of a, you know, market research starts as market research and then turns into almost like a uh, customer advisory board of sorts. Um, that's, a, that's, that's really interesting. And I just, to, to, to kind of break you right there, you, you talk about, you know, one of the, the first step that you take really is to to go out there and start talking about the product that you are. And, 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 and you called it a little bit of market testing. And then from those that market testing, you you oftentimes find people that are very excited about the product, uh, more excited than maybe the other people that you've spoken with. Now, do you generally view them? Uh, how, how do you best leverage those individuals? Do are they always in terms of thinking of them in terms of customers, or do sometimes those individuals want to be a little bit more part of your organization in different ways and shapes or forms? Well, I think it evolves over time. You know, it's very much like, um, you know, I could use a dating analogy, right? Or it's any kind of personal relationship. I think I think the way humans are, you know, good relationships kind of gradually grow over time. You know, you can't really, you can't really force that. Or if you jump ahead or try to move too quickly, um, you know, it can come across as needy or just kind of weird. Like, hey, I just met you. Why don't we go like sleep together right now? Like, it's just weird. <laughs> it's like you have an agenda, right? And and nobody likes to to have a conversation with somebody that has a defined agenda before the conversation. <laughs> right, right, right. So with customers, you know, as you know, we have this uh, insight driven iteration process where we're trying to validate different parts of the of the business model. So it just falls naturally into that process. So I first talk about problem. I actually don't talk about product right away. It's just problem. So with come lift with, you know, the problem is, Hey, I want to go do something fun and I can't find anybody to come with me. Right. I, I need more friends. I need more real life friends and I might be feeling loneliness and disconnected. So, so I just started talking about that. And, you know, it's funny cause it often just comes up like people will say, Hey Dave, what do you do? You know, if you're getting to meet someone, and then I'd say, well, I built startups. And they're like, oh, really? Are you doing anything interesting? I'm like, yeah, right now I'm trying to solve loneliness. And just kind of like, <laughs> and they're like, what? what? What do you mean? And so, and then, you know, like some people, most people won't admit that they're lonely, you know, but the ones that are, <clears throat> everybody's lonely, I think sometimes. But, you know, they're like, oh, okay, that's really cool. So, so then it just becomes a discussion of the problem. And then, uh, you know, invariably they'll say, well, what, how, how are you going to solve that? And then I would kind of describe the concept of the product. And like, oh, that's really cool. And then if I happen to have a demo, I was like, oh, by the way, I've got this demo on my phone. Do you want to see it, how it works? And so now you're into, 
you know, getting a ton of insight. So I guess, I guess it depends like over time, if they're really interested and they keep following up and they want to be the first beta users, like I, they hold a special place in my mind. It's like, these are the first users of this product. So I just keep them on a short list and I've never really formalized the group, but I've been thinking about that more and more, particularly with come with, cause it's such a community based product that, you know, I'd like to take those early adopters and put them into a formal, you know, like customer feedback panel or customer steering committee of some kind, you know, like where we constantly go back to them with new features and new ideas and stuff like that to get guidance. Well, so, it's, inter- it's interesting you say that because as we're having this conversation, it, it reminds me of a conversation you and I had in another episode where you indicated that you were showing it to two bartenders at a wine club that you're yeah, yeah. Um, and you really were just wanting to get their feedback on it. And then, and then the conversation expanded because both of them seemed to get really excited about it. And you were like, well, maybe you guys could be influencers on this, this app. So, so it, it did morph a little bit into, I'm very excited about this. Well, what do you think about maybe being a little bit more involved in this and the development of this? Yeah, and I think I think the thing is to I try to keep it organic. Like if they if they didn't express that level of interest, I would never suggest it. So it's a little bit of judo, you know. It's kind of like I'm going to take your energy and and redirect it. So if if they would have just been nice and said, "Oh, that's kind of cool. Good luck with that," you know, I probably would have ended the conversation there. But but since they're like, "Oh, this is really cool," and they in one case. Um, one of the one of the bartenders actually they call themselves happiness engineers which i love by the way um that's their their title in in this wine tasting room but anyway this uh this one um this one girl was like so excited about it and wanted to like start using it right away and so i just in the moment came up with this idea of like hey can you help me you know tell people about this like how how would we go about that so it was really organic i didn't have um anything in mind. Cause I really just was trying to talk about the problem. I mean, we got to, to the conversation where it was way down into like market distribution and marketing and all this stuff. And I wasn't really prepared to go there. So, but I, uh, I think pretty well on my feet and just kind of came out naturally in the conversation. So when you say that when you're approaching this as a model, then, uh, well, first of all, you indicated that it, it, it almost always your your community starts to build always from the market research component of it. Um, that's yeah. what what I'm hearing here. And then from there, it's a natural like it's not an agenda that you have that says I'm trying to build a village around this necessarily. You're trying to figure out if this is something that would be interesting to people. But yeah. as you go through this process, pe- more some people are saying, I'm very excited about this and they want to naturally learn more. And that's, it's a natural um, progression then to say, okay, if somebody wants to be a little bit more involved, how could I help this person become a little bit more involved in my company? And and if that's the case, that becomes your community. That's, that starts to get, get your community built. Yeah. And I think the key, I mean, I think the way to think about it is it's a co-creation right? Co-creation. Right. So it's, I think early in my career, I was a little bit more focused on the pitch and like trying to convince everybody to come along with my vision. And, uh, 
you know, I'm pretty strong opinion. So that, that kind of carried me a long way, but, but now, now I realize it's like more of a co-creation that's like, you know, this conversation is a two-way conversation. So this person is going to add things that I hadn't thought of and that kind of feeds the energy feeds on each other. We're both creating this thing together. That's why I find it's better to not have, particularly early on, to not have any preconceived ideas of what you're driving towards. You're just having a conversation and seeing where it goes. And I think that's really how some of the best businesses are built because ultimately the customers have a big say in, you know, whether they're going to use your product, you know, so understanding that and making it more of a back and forth uh, co-creation where you're both building this thing together. That's what, that's, what's really cool and effective. No, I, I, and I, I agree with you exactly. The the whole co-creation thing as I've become a little bit more experienced in, in the startup world and, you know, been beat up a few times, I realized that listening to what people have to say, because early in my career, somebody would come in there and they would tell me something. And in my mind, I'd be like, yeah, that's, I, I, you know what, that's not what I'm trying to do. And I wouldn't really pay attention to it. And then six months or eight months later, somebody else would do it after I got beat up a little bit. And I'd be like, oh, that's a really good idea. And I was like, yeah, you know, I heard that eight months ago and I refused to listen to it and I wasted all this time. So as I've gotten a little older, I'm like, let's streamline this. People have opinions, listen to them. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, it's funny because you know, you ask a hundred people, you're getting a hundred different opinions. And so I think, I think what you're looking for is something that the intersection between what lights you up and what lights you know, someone else up and it's not going to be everybody. It's going to be some group within that, or it's maybe starts with one person where it's like, Oh, I would, you know, that's what you want. You know, I would love to build a business like that. And then this, this resonates with customers. And so that's what you're looking for. If, it, if you don't have that, you're either like trying to push a noodle uphill or whatever the analogy is, or, um, you know, or, or like you said, someone else will do it. And that's one of the fascinating things I've learned over the years is like, the universe wants these ideas to come out actually like there are, there are these ideas that are going to happen so everybody who builds companies realizes sees this over time that you might pivot away from an idea and then a couple of years later you see somebody took that exact idea and made it into a business right <laughs> and you right. look at that and you're just like fuck me i could have been doing that you know but you know but that's okay. But so these things will just come out because people have these needs and they have these problems and, uh, you know, it'll happen if, if you don't do it, somebody else will. So I think the, the key is to try to discover what that is and where it lines up with yourself. So let me, let me, uh, go down a different path. Let's, let's talk a little bit about your internal team. Um, and, and it, it, it's, you know, our approach is a little bit different. I think, uh, you you have skill sets that are very unique for an entrepreneur and the fact that you you do have skills pretty decent skills in a lot of different areas which makes you uh, your ability to be more of a solo entrepreneur um, yeah. more viable where I think that I have certain skills specific skills um, where I'm a great connector um, but I'm not necessarily somebody that really can dive into technology and, and build it on my own. I mean, I have concepts that I understand how to create uh, a prototype, but I can't build it. 
And then when it comes to social media marketing, I do understand it, but I'm not one that can go out there and drive organic growth. So I'm really reliant upon having people join my team and get excited about what we're doing. Um, but you're a little bit differently. Uh, and, and I think that, so how, how do you get people involved in your organization? How do you look at it? And what are you looking for uh, when, when you're trying to bring people on on a new concept to work with you on it? And then, Ken, if you could talk a little bit about building an advisory board, because it's something that I think you've done a really good job. And I think you leverage your, your advisors very well. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about how you're leverage how you find your advisors and how you're leveraging them. Yeah, no, those are great, uh, great questions. So, you know, in my process, the way I think about it is the first the, the I think about the operating team. So the operating team, they're not necessarily employees. They're just like a network of people who can help you get stuff done. That's kind of how I think about it. So they might be employees. They might be co-founders. They might just be, you know, people that are helping you, you know, get stuff done. And so I think about, you're right. I mean, you know, as a solo founder, I have built a lot of skills. I think you have to be honest about what you're good at and what you're not good at. I think for me, I'm, I think I'm pretty good playing the, you know, what Steve Blank calls the product visionary role. So like figuring out what problem you're solving for, you know, who you're solving it for and what's the product, you know, what is the solution and defining all the features and the roadmap and all of that. I mean, I really enjoy that part of the creative process of building the product. So, you know, product management, I'm pretty, pretty good at, um, I'm an analytical marketer. So, you know, any kind of ad tech type performance marketing, online marketing program, I've built lots of skills there. So I would say those two areas, I'm pretty strong. I'm, I'm horrible at, um, enterprise sales. (laughs) So like if, (laughs) If we ever have an enterprise business again, first of all, if I ever do an enterprise startup again, please uh, shoot me, put me out of my misery. But, um, <laughs> but like, I just don't have the patience for that. Um, so I also don't know how to code. You know, I know SQL, and we talked about this the other day. Like, I'm thinking of just spending a weekend and learning how to code because I know I can do it. It's just been a question of is that the best use of my time when there are lots of developers out there? So. So anyway, so you make an assessment, you know, here's what I'm good at, and here are the gaps. So one immediate gap would be, okay, we need MVP and I don't know Python. So uh, who we, you know, I need a, I need an engineer. Um, and so I immediately just start thinking about who do I know? Do I know anybody that might have some free time that's willing to do this for equity? Um, are there resources that I could hire to do this and how much would that cost? And so, yeah, you're just trying to fill the gaps of things that you can't do. And that's the operating team. And it's really just, it's, it comes from, you know, what you're trying to build for customers. So you kind of start with the customer and work, work backwards and just do, you know, get the resources that you need and start thinking about that and put some energy behind that. And then on advisors, yeah, for many years, I never had advisors. I never had investors. So I lived kind of a lonely uh, solo entrepreneur life. But uh, I think it was about three years ago, I realized you know, I've made some real bonehead decisions. Um, and so I wonder if I had some smart advisors around, if I would make less bonehead decisions. Um, probably that seemed like a good thesis. So, uh, so I did two versions of that. I tried, you know, I pulled a group together of, you were in the group, of course. Um, I think there were five other people and we did like monthly group advisory sessions and that worked 
didn't really work that well. I mean, it kind of worked, but, but then, um, you know, after starting up the studio again, after I left Amazon, you know, he was like, let's do an advisory group again. And I went well, reached out to Elliot, who was on the, uh, the first team. And he said, you know what, Dave, I'd love to do it, but I don't want to do it as a group. I just want to meet with you one-on-one, you know, every other week for half an hour. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's do that. And that's so much better. So now what I do is I just meet one-on-one. Um, I've got four advisors, including you and Elliot. Um, and I just start thinking about like when I'm building that team, I start thinking about who would be great to have on this team. And I don't know how this has popped in my head, but I have a very old friend, this guy named Jeff Wilkins, who super successful entrepreneur, you know, eight exits, which is insane. And, uh, I just reached out to him. I'm like, Hey, would you like to, you know, talk once a month for an hour? And he's like, sure. You know, so I was like, okay, awesome. So now I have, I have this kind of crack, uh, advisory team and, it really does help um, talk and they help me make better decisions the way I think about it. I, I kind of bring to them decisions that I'm struggling with a little bit maybe, or I want to make, I know they're big decisions and I want to make sure I'm making the right call. And so I just share the situation with them and get their perspective on it. And so that, that process adds a lot of clarity. Yeah. So I have, I have two questions on here. Um, the, the first question is, I think it was very interesting that you just reached out to Jeff uh, and and you you started talking to him and asked him if you wanted to be an advisor. Can you just describe to to the audience a little bit how that that process went? I mean, if you know what what was your background with him beforehand? Secondly, was it a discussion? Did you did you talk a little bit about what you were trying to do and and try to at least talk to him about, and, and, and I guess there's a little bit of salesmanship saying, Hey, um, this is what I'm trying to do. And I think you'd be an asset to help me with this. So if you can just walk us through that, so the audience can get a better feel for how you're approaching that. Okay. Yeah. So Jeff and I met about 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago. Now I was working at YesMail and we were looking for a certain kind of b uh, B2B data solution. And he had a company that provided something that would work. So that's how I met him, and uh, he's a super smart guy. I mean, we're kind of we're very much kindred spirits. We're both engineers with business degrees, you know, and we build startups. And he's just a really smart guy, and uh, I've always admired his. He's just a very stable guy, you know. It's like I'm a little bit more wild, but I don't know. He doesn't get uh, shaken very much, at least that I've seen. So. <clears throat> He's just really clear thinking, really smart, approaches uh, business, I think, in a similar way, but seems to just have more of a stable personality. Anyway, so that's that's how we met. And then for I don't know why. And it wasn't just it was just serendipity. He kept like appearing into my life again, like with um, Acquisition Science. He I reached out to him and he introduced me to a customer who became a pretty big customer. And he was a chairman on the board of that business. So I just kind of kept in touch with him off and on. And I, you know, I considered him a friend, you know, like he, we, at one point we got beyond just acquaintances and we're friends, but we wouldn't like, you know, go have Christmas together or anything like that. But he's, you know, good, good friend, good guy. And so that was our history. And um, yeah, you know what? I originally wasn't thinking of making him an advisor. I was, I was trying to think about, 
you know, how I can become a better entrepreneur. Like where are my, Uh, where are my growth opportunities? And for me, like my story is I've been pretty successful lifestyle entrepreneur, but I haven't had like a big exit yet. So that's some people, you know, consider that a dig. I don't know if it's a dig or not, but I certainly would love to have big exits. I mean, who wouldn't? And um, so he's a guy who like his, you know, I had built eight companies and didn't have any exits. He had built eight companies at eight exits. And I was like, holy shit. Like, so I just, I called him. I said, dude, can you just teach me what I'm doing wrong? <laughs> you know, like, how are you, how are you doing this? You've obviously figured out something that I haven't figured out. So teach me how to do it. And he just kind of laughed and he's like, well, you know, uh, he, he's so humble, right? He's like, well, Dave, you've done like this amazing stuff. So like, whether you get to an exit or not, I mean, that's kind of a crapshoot, you know, like he was, giving me that all shucks kind of attitude. <laughs> and I was like, dude, you did it eight times in a row. Like, it's not luck. Okay. Maybe if you did one, it's luck, but you did eight times in a row. It's not luck. And and he really didn't have an answer. He's like, I, you know, he didn't know how he had done it, but anyway, so just as we started to talk, I was like, man, I just enjoy the conversation. would love to keep it going. And I said, I'll give you some equity and all this stuff. He's like, I don't want, he's like, I don't want any of your equity. This guy, I, you know, this guy's got more money and he knows what to do with. Right. So he's like, I don't want your, your shares. I don't need that. I'm, you're just a friend. I'm happy to help. And I'm like, well, I'm going to send you the agreement anyway. <laughs> and, uh, and he didn't sign it. So I guess he's, I guess he's doing it for free. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's, that's interesting. Cause we approached it a, a little bit differently. I, my, where you're selling yourself and I'm, I'm thinking about how you, we, you approached with me. I mean, it, and you, you, you say, Hey, I'm an entrepreneur. And then you just start to engage people as an entrepreneur. And it doesn't necessarily have to have a business. You always have a few businesses going at the same time. So you always have something to talk about, but you actually try to build a team around um, selling what you're trying to do as a person. Right. And I mainly I've, I, I'm very unique in the fact I I do it differently. I, I look at the business that I'm trying to, to really start. And I start building a team of, of industry experts in that particular marketplace. Um, and, and I think my approach is a little differently. I, I don't usually do multiple businesses at the same time. I focus on one. Yeah. Um, I just don't have the capability. So my teams are usually built around that one business concept where your your community and village is more or less, hey, I'm working on multiple different products, but I'm, I'm looking for somebody. I'm going to sell myself to you guys, and then we're going to have relationships based on on me and you and me being an entrepreneur. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's very, very, that, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. Well, and that's a long, that's a long conversation, but yeah, th- this question of like single or multiple as an engineer, the way I would say it is, you know, am I going to do these startups in series or am I going to do them in parallel? Right. And so for, and I struggled with that question a lot because there's a lot of people that would say, you got to do them in series. You got to do them one at a time. You've got to just focus on one thing. And, and that's a logical, uh, recommendation it is and i there have been many times where i've done that like when i started the email business i just did email like it wasn't doing anything else and so there is a certain um focus that you get but the way my mind works i have this adhd brain and it actually is highly distracting for me to ignore opportunities that i know that that feel really good you know like oh i gotta do that you know 
but I can't do that because right now I'm focused on this other thing. And so whether it's good or bad, you know, I don't know, but it is who I am. Like I have to do multiple things. And so really with Insight Studios, obviously I embraced the idea of doing things in parallel Um, because I have four startup projects right now, maybe five, depending on how much energy I put into this fifth one. And, you know, some people might look at that and say, you know, that's crazy. But to me, I see a lot of advantages in doing it that way. And then, and then now when anybody criticizes me, I, all I have to do is say Elon Musk. That's the end of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Boring company, Neuralink, you know, it's kind of working out for him. So now I'm not Elon Musk, but like, I don't know, it's just my brain, the way it works. And uh, so I do do a parallel. I do think there's a limit. Like, I don't think I can work on a hundred things. I think for me, you know, three to five seems to be the magic number. And the benefit of it is this kind of cross pollination that happens where I might get frustrated on come with for a little bit because we're kind of getting jammed up on some issues. And so I'll switch gears to data love. And so I'm not thinking about come with for a couple of days. And then I well, come and, and yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go right back. I just say for you, it works. And I've, I've watched you before and I, and I, there's some uh, validity to what you're saying here, because if you have one project, you're just trying to jam it in at all costs and you don't really have the patience to wait for something to figure (laughs) itself out in two months. You're like, I'm committed to this right now. I got to do it now. That's And, And there's a lot of frustration that comes with that. And a lot of wasted time and energy. I mean, sometimes you're just spinning yourself around and you're not moving it any faster than if you had just pulled back for, for six weeks and let everything, the dust settle. But- yeah, that's, that's right. When, when the frustrations, that's a key point. When first, The problem with one project is if when the frustration starts to set in, it starts to turn really negative because I'm, I'm so driven that I'm going to make this thing happen no matter what. Like I will go through or around like any barrier. And if it's a person in the way, I'm going to like take that person out. Like I get pretty, pretty driven. So if it's just one thing and it's not working, I will, it will go negative, right? Like I'll jam the thing in there and then um, it creates other negative consequences and it pisses people off and drives them away and all this stuff. So, so I think the analogy that really helped me sort this out is this gardening analogy. Now, I'm not a big gardener, but it kind of makes sense. It's like if you're planting a, a seed, you know, startup is like a seed, but it's a seed you've never, it's a plant that you've never grown before, right? So you don't really know how long the incubation period is. So you plant the seed, you put it in the soil, you're watering it. And let's say it's a, you're trying to grow a stalk of corn and you've never grown corn before. So you water it, you come back the next day, you water it again, you come back the third day, you're like, come on, man, like, why aren't you growing? <laughs> like, you know, and, you know, these things have an incubation period, like it takes some time, but you don't know how much time it's going to take, right? So if you get upset and you start jumping around or like stomping on the ground or like yelling at the plant, you know, that's not going to work. And in some cases, you might end up destroying the growth process, Right. Well, I'll go back to the very fact of the matter is, um, especially when you talk about innovation, when it strikes, innovation generally doesn't strike when you're focused on the the subject or the, the block that you're trying to overcome. Totally. Innovation usually comes when you're doing something other than that. I mean, there are so many times when you, you know, I've read about, you know, Steve Jobs and how he innovated and stuff. And, and a lot of the stuff came about 
when he was interacting in other things outside of the task that he was trying to solve. And I think that's an important thing. That's exactly what you're doing right now. Yes. But anyway, just, I just want to make sure we don't fall too far away from, you know, building a village. Um, I, 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 like I said, I, I think, you know, the way you're approaching it is a little different than the way I approach it only because you work on multiple companies at the same time. But you go out to the marketplace and you start to build – when you're company-focused, it seems like you build it starting with the consumer and, and, and market testing it. And when somebody gets excited about it, they become part of your community. You start involving them more. Yeah. Where I, I do it a little differently. I'm focused on a company. I'll look at it at three different buckets. If I have to fundraise, I'll start building a community at fundraising. If I need you know, to build a team, I'll start looking at people that can help me um, uh, complement my skill set. And when I'm looking at customers, I'm looking to say, okay, how can, how can we approach that and start to get some market traction on it? So I'm a little more um, methodical about how I approach it, but it's for that one specific company. So I think that's very interesting how our we have different approaches. Either both are are the right way to do it, and I think we both agree that building a community is absolutely essential for launching a business. For sure, for sure, and and I I think there are multiple ways to do it. Um, but one thing I will say is I think the community that you build, you want people that are aligned with what you're doing so back to you know just one last thought like if i could if i had an advisor that was constantly telling me hey dave stop working on four things and just work on one thing i've learned that it's best to get rid of that advisor (laughs) because they're not aligned with your personality yeah because it's just draining my energy and so i need people to kind of understand why I'm doing it in a certain way and, and think that that's a good, you know, like whether, you know, so it's a little bit of a weird thing because, you know, I don't need people that agree with me, but I also don't need people that are just like vibrationally in a different area and are constantly, you know, fighting against it. Well, and I'm going to conclude on one little note, and I think you're absolutely right. You know, founders of, of startups, we're all a little broken and, and we're, we're certainly not the norm because it's a very painful lifestyle that, that we embrace. And we're all a little bit different, uh, but we have to build teams around people that understand that we're a little broken and they appreciate the fact that we're a little broken um, because that's really, broken people tend to start really good businesses. <laughs> we all have our flaws, right? And so, but we have to do it our way because everything resides on our shoulders, right? So we're the one that's gonna be ultimately accountable on stuff. But you can't ask me to build something and dedicate my life if it's not working within the framework that I can work with it. So that was my my, my, lead, my last comments on that. That's cool, very cool, I agree. All right, Dave, thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, thanks, Paul. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Just Build It podcast with Paul and Dave. We are committed to assisting entrepreneurs and their companies, and we invite our listeners to join our community at justbuilditpodcast.com and sign up to become a volunteer to inspiring entrepreneurs to help them build and scale their companies. As a volunteer, we ask for less than one hour a month 
Thank you.